Uh, and it's one of my favorite verses. And people, when they ask me about what, what is your homeschool mission? Uh, for me, my homeschool mission, it's, it's, it's summarizing Luke 2, 52, where it says that Jesus grew in stature and in knowledge and in favor with God and man. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the goal at the end, right? That yeah. they, we want them to grow in stature and in knowledge, but also in favor with God and in favor with man. Welcome to Charlotte Mason Says. I'm John Schindel, here with my wife, Crystal. Join us as we read and discuss the home education series. Hey everyone, there's only one week until the Charlotte Mason Inspired Online Conference starts, which will be a week of teaching and workshops given by over 20 homeschooling experts and us, and will be held the 22nd through the 26th of June, 2020. Registration is now open and is just $17 for the entire package, which includes the recorded talks, as well as some other goodies. If you're interested, please check out the link in the show notes of this episode, our webpage, or social media pages, or check your email for an update. Also, we are giving away a ticket to the conference. To enter, go to charlottemasonsays.com slash giveaway. We'll be drawing the name of the winner on Friday the 19th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So if you're listening to this episode before that, get your entry in. If you're listening after, still check out the conference as the recorded talks will be available after it ends. All right, today we're joined by Anna Willis, one of the two amazing ladies who are the hosts of the Charlotte Mason Inspired Online Conference. She has a long list of credentials that we'll let her tell you about in a minute, but she is a student of the Bible, the Hebrew language, and the Israelite customs that surround the scriptures. We had a lot of fun picking her brain about her extensive studies, reading the Bible with children, and doing Bible lessons the Charlotte Mason way, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. So, enjoy the show. Well, we are talking about Bible lessons, chapter 14, but before we get into that, there's a question that we've asked, uh, I think almost all of our guests at this point, or every one of our guests, uh, to start out and just to, to, to get a... I don't know, as a place to start. And and that's how did how did you run across and how did you find Charlotte Mason and, and her method? Oh, for the children's sake. Mm. Ah. Did did someone I, give it to you or did you just find it and pick it up or I can't remember how I found it. I listened to the audiobook and it okay. was my wake up call. It changed everything. Was this when your kids were really little or were they older? Yeah, they were. Okay. They were. They nice. were. And I, I was like ready to give up homeschooling. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, clearly I'm doing this completely wrong. Yeah. Mm. So that's that's how it started. And then and then I just fell in love with the Charlotte Mason philosophy and start learning more and more about it. And as you guys know, I'm not a, a you know, purist or – but. I love everything about Charlotte Mason. Yeah. That's that's what we do. Mm-hmm. As much as we can, we stick to our, <laughs> our philosophy of education in the best way that we understand it. Yeah. Right. No, that's cool. Well, and I think uh, for most of the people that we've had on the show to this point, that seems to be a, a common thread is that we stick to her philosophy and we do what makes sense. And anything that doesn't make sense and doesn't fit in with, with our family, it doesn't happen. Or we do it slightly differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, Rachel Leibowitz from the the plenary on, 
And that's yeah. one of the things she was talking about is, you know, you, you figure out what works for you and, and you, you, you do that and you stick with, you stick with the philosophy of it. Mm-hmm. But in that philosophy, there's, there's wide boundaries of what you can do and, and what works for which specific child and which family and which location and, and all of that. There's, mm-hmm. I, you know, in my industry, we say there's a million ways to do something right. And, you know, there's just as many ways to do something wrong, but there's a lot of different ways to do something right. And I think that holds true for, for Charlotte Mason homeschooling as well. Now, I'm going I'm to give you another saying that I use a lot to you. You don't need to get it right. You just need to get it going. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that really works for our homeschooling. Yeah. <laughs> you know, oh, we, that's do funny. It, we do as much <laughs> as we can, the best that we can. Um and, and let me tell you, my kids have thrived using a Charlotte Mason philosophy of education. It has put us in such a beautiful, restful homeschool mode. And and more than ever, I just see my kids like flourishing um, with whatever they do. They they really, you know, and I think I guess this is the point of it. This is the goal of it. They love learning. Yeah, they love learning. And and I I would agree I think and she said Charlotte Mason says that a couple of times in the the two books that we've read so far that that's the goal the goal is to instill a love for learning into your children so that they continue that journey for the rest of their lives and that learning is always something that they desire to do so that's right very mm-hmm. cool so yeah and we are talking with you about Bible and. Um, I do know that you have a Hebrew course that you do. I do. Is that is that in something that you just chose to do, or is that related to learning the Bible and learning Hebrew to learn the Bible, or how how does that how does that relate to how you do Bible in the Charlotte Mason way? Well, in Hebrew, I will answer you gum vigum both. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A little bit of everything. So just a bit of background. I come from a Jewish secular family and I came to the Lord 20 years ago after having a cancer. So I had a really huge change in life Mm -hmm. and fell in love with the Lord, fell in love with the Bible. And I knew it since the beginning that I wanted to move to Israel one day and I wanted to share the gospel with the Jewish people, with my people. So I, um, I had a very strong conversion, a very, very strong conversion. In about a year, I was healed from my cancer and I went to seminary um, and I actually had to be baptized in order to start seminary lessons. I wasn't baptized yet. Everything happened so fast. And um, anyway, studied theology for five years, then moved to Israel to complete another major in biblical and Jewish studies. and, and before I moved to Israel, of course, I was studying Hebrew. And I realized how much we lose with Bible translation. Uh. And I realized how deep we can go when we know the original language. And the Bible was 70% written in Hebrew. Right. So a huge part of the Bible was written in Hebrew. And not only we lose with Bible translation, but we lose with not understanding the culture and the idioms. Mm-hmm. And, and there's just so much that gets, gets lost in the process. And 
Um, and I fell in love with the word of God. The more I digged in, the more I just fell in love with it. And I, I had all these revelations of things that I normally in the English language, I couldn't understand well, but then in the Hebrew language, it just makes so much sense. Mm, huh. Like little, little things like the woman with the issue of blood, right? She, she touched the hem. We see the hem of the garment mm-hmm. of Jesus. Yeah. But in Hebrew, we know it's the tzitzi. is that prayer shawl that the man wear that has the, the um, how to call it? And I always say like Hebrew. The, the, never fringes, the fringes the, of the it? The fringes, yeah. So mm. we call it tzitzi. And a word for tzitzi in Hebrew, um, it, we, we call it wings. Huh. And uh, one of the prophecies of the Messiah was that he will come with healing in his wings. Oh. And that oh. woman with issue of blood, she touches his wings. You know, that's what we call it, like the hem of the garment. Interesting. And it, and, and it says that immediately power came out of him and healed her completely. So you start reading things like that. And then, you know, like Mary looking for the Lord's body who's not there in the tomb. And, and she is there crying and, 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 the, and the Lord appears to her. She can't recognize him. And you think like why she couldn't recognize him. And you think about that, you know, she says that then she saw the, the, the gardener, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And in Hebrew, the word will be the man of the garden. Who's the man of the garden? It's Adam. It's Adam. Hmm. And then and then you start linking all of those things because of the words they are using in Hebrew, right? Uh, the word for like man in Hebrew, like a human being, a mm-hmm. man, it's Ben Adam, son of Adam. Okay. You know, so, right. you start yeah. linking, you start, you start, so he was like Ben Adam. He was fully human fully son of Adam uh-huh. and Ben Elohim, son of God, which Elohim is another fascinating uh, word because Elohim is the plural of the word El, which is God in uh-huh. Hebrew. And Elohim is like basically God's in the plural. And it says in the beginning of the word, you know, in the beginning, God, Elohim. Okay. God, of Father, God, El. is God the Holy Spirit. Right. All three of them were there at the beginning, and you can see that by the, you know, reading Genesis 1, um, and then John 1 saying, in the beginning was the word, you know, yeah, and all of those things. So you start studying the text, and you start linking all of those things, and it just blows your mind. <laughs> it just blows your mind. So, and I already had a, you know, five-year theology degree at this point, and, you know, I was just... Uh, Learning more as I went to Israel and lived there for five years, ended up getting married and uh, serving in ministry there full time for five years and having two of my oldest, my two oldest were born there. So I just fell in love and uh, taught the Bible for many, many years, thought about understanding Israel and the Jewish culture uh, to many, many churches, many churches across the world, actually, in different Mm, continents and countries and 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 then I became a full homeschool mom. Because <laughs> um, um, that's good yeah. background for that. <laughs> yeah, because I, 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 t- I truly believe God gave me all these degrees and all this experience so I could teach my kids. Yeah. Uh, no, but, um, you know, just um, just so, so amazing to see how much Hebrew opened up our eyes for so many things that we didn't know it was there. And, and it just, it just brings this deep, deep connection 
to God's word that I, we haven't experienced it, mm. it just with the English language. And um, so last two years ago, I decided I was going to seriously teach my kids Hebrew because I speak five languages. They only speak one. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I thought, because everybody, you know, they, they have this expectation that my kids also speak multiple languages. Right. I'm from South Africa. I'm from Brazil. We lived in Israel. We lived, you know, in the States. We lived in South America and all of this stuff. And, um, so I was determined I was going to teach them Hebrew. It's like, you know, shame on me. I need to do that. <laughs> and and I, I simply posted in on one of my Facebook groups and I said, if I teach my kids Hebrew online, would you join me? Well, it happened that 141 families joined me. Oh, oh my goodness. Well, all right, then. <laughs> so 141 families joined me for my first Hebrew online course. And I taught Hebrew for 12 years, so it wasn't anything that it was hard for me to do. Uh, but it's it's quite interesting because I'm sitting in a tiny RV with an IKEA easel teaching uh, teaching Hebrew <laughs> online to families from all over the place, and it just grew from there. And we have we have taught thousands of families at this point, and it's been just a blessing, you know, and just uh, seeing seeing them not only learning the language but the culture, the idioms, and yeah. all of those fantastic details that I share a little bit about it with you guys and the kids' eyes just hmm. open big and they get so curious and they have a million questions and they dig deeper into their Bibles as well. And it's, it's such a cool thing to see. That's awesome. So do you do um, modern day Hebrew then? So that we do, we do both biblical okay. and modern day Hebrew. So basically modern day Hebrew, it's 80% biblical Hebrew at, with some words that did not exist back then added to it. Okay. And, and just a few things on verbs that will change and the pronouns. But it's if you know modern Hebrew, you will get the Bible. You read most of it. You understand most of it. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. And we, we also make sure that we teach them to print and write cursive in Hebrew all at the same time. So you got these kids who are in kindergarten learning how to read and write in both print and cursive Hebrew. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I frankly can't say that i knew that there was a cursive and a print hebrew <laughs> so well there nope. is and i'll tell you the little story why i decided to do this in my course is because when i went to hebrew university to study i thought well i've been studying these for two years i've said only biblical hebrew at this point and everything was print mm. so i go to hebrew university to study eight hours a day intensive for the summer and i get there on the very first day and my teacher only writes Oh, no. on the whiteboard so i have no clue what she's writing <laughs> no and i went home that day just basically just crying all my way and and um i spent the whole night learning the whole hebrew alphabet cursive uh -huh. so the next day i could be back for eight hours of lessons and try to understand what she was trying to Hmm. what she was writing on the whiteboard. So from that moment on, I decided if I ever going to teach Hebrew to anybody, I would teach them print and cursive at the same mm. time, all at once, you know? So it's, it's just so much easier for the kids. So yeah. much easier. They just get like this. And Hebrew is so easy. Contrary everything that people <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> It's, it's very, very easy. And uh, you can, I teach people how to read, write, and speak Hebrew in four to 10 weeks. Okay. So that's impressive. Wow. That's, that's very cool. 
we don't have the crazy phonics, you know, phonetic um, rules that English has. So. No. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if anything has the crazy phonetic rules that English has. English is. No, a, I don't think so. <laughs> English is a is a special dumb language in and of itself. It is. It's a very difficult language. Uh huh. We we were talking. We did the reading chapters with Leah Martin, and it was just. It was so much information and so, so hard, so hard for children to parse out all of these little things that they need mm-hmm. to do. And and it, it's it's in, impressive to see how much they can learn with something that's so difficult. And so even even the, the reading of then moving on to other languages that are even probably simpler to to pick up it it makes sense that they are able to do those as well in yeah. like you were saying four to ten weeks yeah yeah and the hardest part i think for english speakers to learn another language is that most languages of the world have have words in feminine and masculine yep and even in hebrew you got not only you got the words in feminine and masculine all your verbs are different if mm. if you're speaking to a woman or you're speaking to a man gotcha and and so i think that that's the side of english speaking that makes like harder for people but on the other side you know most language i, I speak i mean portuguese is my mother tongue so i speak fluently portuguese and italian and spanish and um a little bit of french and i speak hebrew and a little bit of arabic and all those languages, uh, you know, you will read the way you write. Hmm. That oh, doesn't okay. happen to English. No, hmm. no, not at all. No. Well, it, yeah, and I I studied Spanish when I was in high school for way too many years to be as non-fluent as I am now. But that was the one <laughs> thing that I did love about it is that that. As it long as sense. you, yeah, as long as you knew what the letters sounded like, you could spell any word that anyone said to you, and you can pronounce any word that you can see because the letters don't really change what they say. That's that's right. So in Hebrew, the the name of the letter tells you the sound of the letter. That's how easy it is. Huh. So if if you know the name of the letter, you know the sound of the letter. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's really interesting. I I love languages. I really love languages. Oh, cool. Well, that's that's so exciting. How has that changed? I, we're going to get into the Bible part of this, but how has that changed how you teach your children? Do you teach them from the Hebrew Bible or from the English Bible with the Hebrew Bible right there? L- like logistically, I, how does that work? I normally have my English Bible and we read together and normally I'll make some pauses and say, hey, in the Hebrew, this is what it means. And I don't teach all the time with my Hebrew Bible next to me. I just use my head knowledge for the things that I know and pass it on to them. Mm. I do hope that one day they will start studying from the Hebrew Bible. Mm-hmm. I do hope that they will start doing that sometime in the future, but it's it's not going to be so soon. They're still learning. There's still a long way for them to go. Um, but it's it's really neat that if I put the Hebrew Bible, by the, by the way, in the Bible app, you can listen to the Bible in Hebrew, in modern Hebrew. Okay. So you can listen to the New Testament. But if I do put it on, there's some words that they can already pick up and mm. understand. So that's that's huh. a good thing. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's exciting. That's a lot of fun. 
we'll we'll talk about other stuff later. So, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, a little scattered here. So, diving into this section then. So we're talking about chapter fourteen. XIV, 14 thank you, because Roman numerals are also dumb. We're talking about <laughs> chapter fourteen, which is Bible <laughs> lessons. Well, the first thing she starts out with is the children really actually enjoy the Bible. Mm-hmm. Just straight up, don't water it down. And she's said this about other things, too, but it's just especially the Bible. You don't need to water it down. It has enough beautiful language of its own, and it holds their interest. And so you don't need to try to make it fit the child. Right. Let let them be pulled up to its level. Well, and Anna, that was something that you were saying when you're teaching children Hebrew, is that they start making those connections also, and they start getting excited and interested. Absolutely. And let me tell you, kids are way smarter than you think they are. <laughs> they are. You do not need to present Bible stories to them like you're telling them a fairy tale. I, I, I completely, 100%, 1,000% agree with Charlotte Mason. Teach them from the Word of God. I have so many moms in my community asking you, what's the best curriculum to teach the Bible? It's called the Bible. <laughs> Get yep. your Bible. Yep. Sit with your children and read from the Word of God, straight from the Word of God. That's the best best way to do it you know don't because people get so caught up in getting a curriculum but they never open the bible yeah Yeah. use the word of god the word of god you know we and we have the spirit of god in us that it's the holy spirit is our teacher it's our guide right Mm -hmm. so if we teach if we read the word of god the kids will learn the holy spirit will show them what it means and they will ask you questions and we'll have discussions mm-hmm. and we'll pray about things and we ask the lord to reveal to us the things that we don't understand and he does yeah. and he mm-hmm. does so the best way to teach the bible is actually using the bible yeah mm-hmm. and i do i do trust that you know it's much better for you to teach from a, a version that your kids understand what it's being read to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I and I know a lot of families out there do like the King James Bible. I worked with Bible translation for two years. I worked at the Israel Bible Society. I do not use the King James version. <laughs> Sorry for some of you thinking that I'm, you know, sacrilege or something. <laughs> but just use the language that they do understand and and try to bring as much as. Uh, like for me, I'll bring in the Hebrew understanding sure. um, as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Well, I was I was talking to a pastor once, and he was a he was a Hebrew. I think he was a Hebrew scholar, uh, but he was he was telling me that he went to to preach at a church once, and so he had his Bible open and they were doing something in the Old Testament. And after the service, one of the one of the old ladies in the church came up to him and and she started berating him about the fact that she that he wasn't using the King James Bible and that that what he was doing was wrong and that he was using the wrong translation and he needed to really check himself and and figure it out and he and he, you know he let her go off for a little bit and then he was like all right ma'am he pulled up his bible and he showed her and he's like this is this is the hebrew this is originally what it was written in i was translating as i was reading it and i you know i was reading the hebrew and i was speaking the english and she was like oh <laughs> Well, I guess that's okay. <laughs> and and this is not to say, you know, you know, oh, it's it's the wrong translation or oh, whatever, but um each family will use the translation and I'm talking about translation, I'm not talking talking about, you know, um paraphrases. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm talking about translation. 
look for the source of your the translation of the version that you're using to make sure that that's really good and correct and you're going to lose it anyways with whatever version you, yeah. you translate to so you want to try to get to as close as possible uh we do use the complete jewish bible uh, which is i i find it a really good translation i use the new international version mm -hmm. and i really like the translation i know a lot of people that worked on that translation mm -hmm. that i they some of them were my professors and and i highly respect them i know they're they're you know how well knowledge they are and yeah so just just use a translation that you want to use right what what we do. I grew up using the the New King James, and then I love the New um, King James. Yeah. And then we went to a church, and right around when the ESV, the English Standard Version, came out, the church was using that. So it was like, okay, I'm going to switch to what the church is using, so that it's consistent between me at home and me in the church. And that's mm. what we're doing with our kids as well is using the ESV because that's also what they have at church, and so that that continuity is what. What's important for me. And that's not to say I won't pull out a King James version and read it to them because it is rich and that is language. And that is yes. a lot of, um, it's just, it's good. Well, especially when you're getting into the Psalms or the Proverbs or mm -hmm. any of the, any of the more poetic points of, of scripture. But that's, yeah. again, that's not our daily reading right. version. Yeah. I do love the, the new King James version. Because there was a lot of things that were corrected from the King James Version in the new King James Version. And it's a version that of English that we can all understand well. Right. Um, but, yeah, again, it's it's all of them. All of them have their merits and all of them are good. You know, the word of God is it's it's powerful. It is. Mm -hmm. It is powerful. We sometimes we're reading, we do our Bible study as a family Friday nights. So we come from a Jewish background, so we keep Shabbat. And on Friday nights, it's, it's sacred for us. We bake bread. Mm -hmm. We, you know, we we do our Bible study together. And our kids, sometimes we have different versions of the Word of God. And we want to know what your version says. Mm -hmm. And we want to compare. And sometimes we just like, why do you think this version has a different word on it? And well, we need to understand that... Um, when you work with translation, it's not like one word for another word. No, not right? at all. Because it depends on the context. It depends on a, on a, a bunch of things. Sometimes there are different words that mean the same thing. Yeah. Right. So you need to use the right one. So it's, it's a good way. It's just a good way to teach them also. Mm -hmm. Go and research. Go and look for other words that people use and see, um, and see what it means and... It's, to, it's, to try it's a good to get way the just fuller be, picture. Yeah, yeah, just to to get a, a fuller picture or a different perspective or just an amplified way to understand mm -hmm. it. Or, there was a there was a gal I knew when I was in high school. Uh, she was she was one of the the moms of some. Or she was a mom of some friends I had, and uh, she spoke fluent German. And so she would bring her German Bible to church, and it was always fun to sit next to her and and you know kind of peek over her shoulder. Because she would she would do that she would read along in the German and and anytime there'd be something different she'd go huh this is interesting and and you go know. between the two yeah in in between the two and so it was it was fun to see that as well because it's yeah, a, it, it's a it's a completely different it's not a translation 
I mean, it's not a different translation like the ESV or the NIV. It's it's to a completely different language, which which was fun then because then you got to compare even even more differences, I guess. So absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think I think the I think the the final point is that you find something that works for your family and you find a reason why you're doing that thing, mm-hmm. and then you go with it. You 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 choose it and you go. <laughs> so let's see she said uh oh did i skip a page here i did skip a page uh, right so she finishes out this little section she says uh she says we're probably quite incapable of measuring the religious recept receptivity of children nevertheless their fitness to apprehend the deep things of god is a fact with which we are called to deal prudently and deal and to deal reverently mm-hmm. so just like we've been talking about children, like you said, Anna, children are smarter than we think they are. And that's something that Charlotte Mason harps on almost constantly is that the children are, are really smart. They're really intelligent. They're really good at making connections. And so we need to present the material to them. And, and we don't need to try and explain all of the deep things of God. Like you said, we, we need to allow the Holy spirit to do that work in their own hearts and in their own minds so that, so that they come to those realizations themselves. That's right. That's right. And see, the goal of teaching the Bible to the children is what Charlotte Mason uh, also points it out. It's the knowledge of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the knowledge of God. And you need to read the word of God as it is, because that's how God introduced himself to us. Yep. That's how we get to know him. That's that's how we get to know his love for us and his power and his majesty and his holiness. All of those things are that's, you know, they are in the word of God. That's how we, we learn about him. And and I think that when we, we try to water things down and we try to lecture them every sentence, every verse, you know, we, we're really removing that directly that, that direct god connection with yeah. their hearts they're 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 not skeptical like adults are you know <laughs> no, they, they're, not. They're, they're not gonna be trying to reason everything that is right to them and it's it's so much easier um you know for god to directly speak to their hearts as we read the word of god instead of us trying to you know, making Noah into an old man in a kayak kind of thing, you know, like, you know, like what I mean, like we just water down so much and, yeah. and, oh, you know, the old man from up above or whatever, you know, just, just read it as it is. Let the word, the word of God speaks for itself. It does. And, and God will reveal himself as we read the word of God to our children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, at the end of parents and children, they were taught, she was talking about, getting in the way of the Holy Spirit and how mm. that is a real thing that you can do. Um, it was, it was in the, the passage of, of do not, do not hinder the children from coming to me. Do not stop them from coming to mm. me. And you as the teacher and parent have the capability of either funneling them towards God or putting roadblocks in their way. And that's, that's kind of daunting. Um, and you you want to make sure that that you're not blocking those those pathways. That's right. That's right. So, so we talk. She's talking especially in home education about kids up to age nine. And so here she talks about specifically between the ages of six and nine, 
they should get considerable knowledge of the Bible text. And by nine, so over those three years, they should have read the simple and suitable narrative portions of the Old Testament and, say, two of the Gospels. And the Old Testament should, for various reasons, be read to children. (laughs) The Gospel stories they can read for themselves as soon as they can read them beautifully. And there's a... I, I was... A couple years back, I was going to go read the story of David from the Bible to my kids, and I kept looking through them going, well, I don't I don't want to touch that story right now. I don't want to touch that story right now. I forgot about David's life, because <laughs> there's a lot of stories I just oh, don't want to read to them. Yeah, David was quite the guy. So. He was. He was. But, you know, it's very important also that when we read those things that we tell our children, um, this is a good reminder that none of us are perfect and yeah. we all need the grace of God and, and we're all yeah. going to have our moments as much as we, we don't want to ever admit this to our kids, but we're <laughs> going to say we're going to have our moments where we're going to make mistakes. But here's what I wanted to keep watching. Watch for David's heart to be transformed. Yeah. Watch for how David's going to repent and, and watch what God's going to do in his life because of his repentance. Um, so, you know, I remember babysitting a boy. He was probably three or no, he was four or five, maybe more. And um, and his parents were Christian. And I asked them because I was in Bible college this time at that time. And and I asked them like, can I read him Bible stories? And she's like, oh, you know, because I don't know if it's a good idea because there's some stories and um, they are not. That's not really very kosher, right? It's not, <laughs> clean to tell them mm. and, and of course the are stories they're not mature enough to yeah. listen to or understand and and but then you you know you, you again you got the discernment of the holy spirit in you to mm-hmm. read whatever the lord is leading you to read and also kind of hold it back okay later on when they're more mature we can talk about this mm-hmm. right but also on the times like when it talks about you know wars and and god uh making judgment and, and and people dying and things like that um it's always a good opportunity to you know tell people about what the reality of of things there are wars and and it's not always it's not god desire that we kill each other that we do all of those things but unfortunately in our lifetime we'll see things like that happen and yeah. When we need to know those things. I mean, history, yeah. we read about war all the time, don't we? Yeah. It's yeah. what we do the most, I feel like, in yeah. history books to our kids. We're talking about war <laughs> and people dying, people being killed and, mm-hmm. and all of those things. Because, so why not read in the word of God, yeah. too? Yeah. Because normal, ordinary life is not exciting. It, it's not it's not a catalyst for change right. the way a war is or a famine is or something along those or or a pandemic is yeah so, something along those lines and and even just she says here by degrees they see that the world is a stage whereupon the goodness of God is continually striving with the willfulness of man and we can be like hey we're we're also that's that. it yeah that's the point right there yeah. That some heroic men take sides with God and others, foolish and headstrong, oppose themselves to him. And the fire of enthusiasm will kindle in their breast and the children, too, will take their side without much much exhortation or any thought or talk of spiritual experience. It's just as as they're 
growing up with these pictures and these stories in their minds, knowing the overall picture, picture, you can see how that plays out. So. Yeah. And you have to think about, too, that age six to nine up to, you know, those are still formative years. You're, you're, yeah. you're shaping and molding the character of your children. And uh, they need to know that life is not always going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. And things are not always going to be beautiful. And but there are beauty for from, you know, beauty that comes out of ashes. And we need to be reading those stories also to teach them uh, about life. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's it's important for children to know that that parents sin and church leaders sin and the heroes of the Bible sinned badly because the Bible uh, we have a we have a story Bible that we read to the to the younger children um, and, and one of the things it starts out with is a lot of people think that the Bible is a collection of stories about uh, about things that you should do. And then a lot of other people think that the Bible is a collection of heroes that you should emulate your life after. Uh, it's like, well, there's there's only one person in the Bible that you should really emulate your life after because everybody else in the Bible, they they screwed up pretty hard. They did. The, the Bible is not a story of a bunch of people that you should try and model your life after, except in that the people... The people that the Bible elevates as those people of faith are people that constantly and continually come back to God and and search for or uh, ask for forgiveness and they they repent of their sins and they seek out the will of God. And That's that right. I, that I think is is the thing that we do want to instill in our children is to know that yeah, we're going to sin and we're going to screw up, but we have a God that's bigger than our sin who's 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 done the work that's required to forgive us of our sin. And it's our job to recognize that and go back to God and ask for forgiveness and ask for what we should be doing instead of what we are doing. That's right. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the child training Bible. Have you guys seen the child child training Bible? I have not. No. Oh, no, you guys, so. it's, it's fantastic. Um, yeah. It's from Misty Dunn in, um, you guys, it's it's so good because you can actually look for, uh, you know, certain. If if a child, let's say a child lied about something, I sit down with them and I can read straight from the Word of God. What does the Word of God says about lying, and why mm. should we not lie? And and then right there again you're you're training and molding and shaping the character of your children and you're teaching them from the word of god and you're teaching them it's not only what it says but it, it has examples right it has examples this is what happened when somebody lie you know and or um i, I really love that that's one thing that i i love i love using with my children and I use it for them to do copy work and memorize verses. <laughs> and nice. so basically, yeah, basically it's a system that she created. And I shouldn't be here just telling you all about this stuff, but it's a system that she creates that you can use with any Bible you want to use. So you're not bound huh. to a specific version of the Bible. And because my kids are a little bit older, now I'm letting them putting that together in your own Bible, in their own Bibles. So it's being really great for their, their growth about not just about the knowledge of God, but 
how should they speak and act and think and right. you know it's it's really powerful like i said the word of That's, god speaks for yeah. itself I'm and to look it's that re- up. really cool. oh you will <laughs> love it you'll love it it's really great the this has been I, we're we're getting towards the tail end of doing our our talks with people about the part five in home education and I'm going to be going back and listening to all of them and taking my <laughs> own notes because there's so much and so many resources that are out there that I just don't know about. And so even even learning about this is amazing. So yeah. it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. All right. So back to, right, back to the book. So so the next <laughs> section, the next section I thought was interesting. So she talked about essential and accidental truth. And that's not. That's not a phrase that I'd ever heard before. I don't know if it's just something that either fell out of fashion or it's just something that she came up with. But it's not something I had, I had heard. And the, the only the definition that I could find is toward, I guess, uh, it's at the top of page 251. Uh, she says, she says we need we need not be at pains to discriminate in teaching children Bible narratives between essential and accidental truth, the truth which interprets our own lives, and that which concerns only the time, place, and circumstances proper to the narrative. And and so there's there's a lot in society that has changed since Bible times, and there's a lot of the uh, Gosh, Anna, you were saying it earlier. There's there's a lot of the the customs and the cultures that yes. that aren't the same, that are oh so different then than they were now, that inform the story, that inform what's being said. And I I think that's what she's I think that's what she's uh differentiating here between between the things that inform what the Bible is saying and then those things that it's just very, very clear and plain saying. Mm-hmm. That's right. Does that am I am I reading that right? Does that make sense? I think so. No, I think so too. I think so too. Okay. Well, and and even she gives the example of the the pearl of great price. So she said, you know, hey, maybe at the time talking about pearls was the thing that you did, and so Jesus mm. used that as the the thing to talk about a metaphor, yeah, to yeah. to be the vehicle for the essential truth. And so it, it's it's like like she said, let us remember that neither we nor the children can bear the white light of naked truth. And so it, it closes it in a way that we can see it and grasp it and understand it. Well, and even even like um, uh, Wesley did, he used drinking tunes to put to hmm. songs like Amazing right. Grace. So it was using the vehicle of the time. Exactly, using what they knew so people could understand and relate to it and associate to it. Right. So yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting. Um, and then she concludes the sentence here with, or this section with, uh, we are considering not the religious life of children, but their education by lessons. And their Bible lessons should help them realize in early days that the knowledge of God is the principal knowledge. 
and therefore that their Bible lessons are their chief lessons. That's right. And that's why we should start our days with the Bible and end our days with the Bible. Yeah. That's, that's the best way to do it. Always, you know, keeping God first and last in our mind. Um, I think that that's, that's the best way to see transformation and growth. You know, the Bible says that, uh, and it's one of my favorite verses. And people, when they ask me about what, what is your homeschool mission? Uh, for me, my homeschool mission, it's, it's, it's summarizing Luke 2.52, where it says that Jesus grew in stature and in knowledge and in favor with God and men. Mm. And I think that that's, that's the goal at the end, right? That yeah. they, we want them to grow in stature and in knowledge, but also in favor with God and in favor with men, knowing God deep in their hearts. And, and uh, I mean, the whole, the whole Bible centers on the, great, the greatest commandment, which is to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then love our neighbor as yourself. If we do those two things well, that, that's like those two things <laughs> that's alone. It. That's all. Yep. It guarantees a wonderful life. Yeah. Like those two things alone, you know, if you just love God with all your heart, then you will never going to lie to people. Then yep. you're never going to cheat on people. Then you're never going to be dishonest. Then you're never going to uh, be jealous of other people. Then you're never going to wish them bad things. Right. Right. And and it's like, it's, it's. It's putting the first thing first. It's putting the horse before the cart. It's, it's exactly. doing things in the right order. Yeah. And and if your first thing's in the right order, everything else falls into place. That's right. That's right. The New Testament, you know, has the story of the guy um, who has an offer, but he needs to go reconcile with his brother before he brings the offer to God. And it's just teaching us if our heart is in the right place with God, and if we say it is, then it should have been the same in in the right place with our brothers and sisters mm. too, right? So it's constantly um, that that place of 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 humility and humbleness and and repentance mm. and um, the bible says put others consider others above yourself yeah right that's what we're, we're memorizing right now in philippians we should always consider others um above yourself never never think too highly of yourself mm -hmm. and and you know it's and that's how we transform the character of our children by teaching them those things so I believe that if you're reading the Bible every single day with your children, if you start and you end with the word of God, and, and sometimes, let me tell you, sometimes we kind of, I'm not going to say we cheat, but we <laughs> we do love audio books and we do mm -hmm. love the Bible audio app. Yeah. And, and um, my kids now, it gets to a point where there's two things that they do before they go to bed. We, since the first day of their lives, we have always sing the Shema, which is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In Hebrew to them, since the first day of their lives, that's what we do every single night nice. before they go to bed. And uh, and they will not go to bed. I mean, even if they go to a sleepover at my brother's house, they're going to call me, can you sing the Shema? <laughs> or the, the father, because, you know, we're waiting, Dad, for you to call. or you know. Huh. And and then they listen to the word of God. And you know, they drift asleep, listen to the word. And um, my son, especially now he's 12, and he's just, fascinated and i'm so pleased that he chooses to listen to the word of god and instead of to anything else right yeah and it's it's powerful because every morning we're having these conversations and he's telling me what he is coming 
we're here in the kitchen now and he's telling me what he was you know like oh mom i was listening about this you know about king saul or you know and he tells me um what he's been studying and or just listening and thinking about it yeah nice well she moves on next to the method of bible lessons and I think this is like the turning point in this chapter. She's talking about the importance of yeah. Bible, and now she's coming down. Okay, let's let's get practical here. And <laughs> how do we do this? How, right. how how do I recommend? And this is again her recommendations for how to do specific Bible lessons. And I don't think this is the same thing as your own personal Bible study. I, I think those are two things. Like your own Bible yes. readings are separate than your specific Bible yeah, she lessons. Talk- yeah, she talks about both, and she talks about also the importance of your personal devotional mm-hmm. time with the Lord. Um, yeah. Yeah, so she says here, uh, the method of such lessons is very simple. You read aloud to the children a few verses, covering if possible an episode, and you read them reverently, carefully, and with just expression. Then you require the children to narrate what they've listened to as nearly as possible to the words in the Bible, which that is that that line right there that's slightly different than at least what than i can a tell regular narration. of a regular narration because a regular na- narration is they're 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 telling their own retelling they're they're telling you what they think and she's saying here no it's as, as nearly as possible to the words in the bible and then she says uh, then talk the narrative over with them in the light of research and criticism and let the teaching moral and spiritual reach them without much personal application which is also different than when she's talking about reading just about anything else where you let the child narrate. You might talk about it a little bit, but you, you might not even. Mm-hmm. Whereas here she's saying, no, no, you read it, they narrate it, and then you do talk about it. And you do dig a little, you dig, you dig a little deep in it and figure out what it's saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of leaving them a little bit of margin to think about it. Because uh, sometimes, like, their little minds are going, right? It's a yeah. little machine going there. They're thinking about something. And then you start speaking, and it kind of, like, they forgot what they were thinking about. Mm-hmm. And now they're thinking about what you're saying. So I like to give them a little bit of time and process what they were read to and and then narrate back. And then we have a family discussion. And then we, we pray about that. And many times, I mean, we're going to use a Bible verse or something for copy work or for a memorization out of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I like that little gap between let's just think about this for a moment. And then I really feel like this is what the Lord is showing me about this. Mm-hmm. Right. And let them express themselves. Mm-hmm. Because the last thing that you want is to read to your kids and then ask them a question and get the answer. I don't know. <laughs> well, they if they haven't had a time to think about it, that would be the that would be the answer, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> You're like, well, I don't know. I haven't you processed know? that yet, right? Yeah, I, I need to think about that. You know, it's quite a lot to choose sometimes. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. She she has this. Children are more ready to appropriate lessons that are not directly leveled at themselves. While the teacher makes the teaching her own by the interest with which she reads the pictures and other illustrations she shows in her conversational remarks. So she has a recommended commentary, this uh, 
Patterson Smith's Bible for the Young. And she has other things, the Illustrated New Testament, the Holy Gospels with illustrations from the Old Masters, um, bypass of Bible knowledge, a lot of other things that you as the teacher can pull from and get into to help them understand it more. But at the same time, you're not watering it down. You're, you're, you're shooting straight with them. Yeah. Well, and I would, I would add to her, her list here. There have been, there have been a lot of books written over the last hundred years since Mm -hmm. she wrote this, that, that are good quality books. And there's been, there's, there's been a reawakening in the reformed community over the last 20 years, even that there's been a lot of good stuff written, a lot of good analyzing, a lot of good theological works done over the last 20 to 30 years that, that didn't exist when, when she was writing these, these words. So uh, this is definitely one of those instances where what she's recommending here might make a lot of sense and, and it could, I don't know, but there's also a lot of other stuff that has happened since then that is also good and is also a little more recent and potentially a little more relevant depending on what, where you are in scripture and what you're reading about. And I think this would be an amazing point to go to your pastor, to go to your elders, Mm -hmm. to go to the, the denomination that you're a part of and be like, Hey, I want to teach my children. And I need to learn myself, what do you recommend? Where where do you recommend that I start for a good um, uh, commentary? Mm-hmm. Like I said, I love the Word of God and I love studying the Word of God. And I love keeping up with what's happening and how this fits into the Word of God. And to see what's happening. Like 2020 was a year of shift in the whole humanity. Yeah. It has never happened before that the whole world has stopped because of a plague or a pandemic. It has never happened before that, you know, everything is shut down. And God's word says that at the end of times that the heart of the parents will be turned to their children, the heart of the children to their parents. And look at what's happening in this past two months. Yeah. Parents were too easy with their careers and making money are having to be home with their children. <laughs> and, and God is doing something in their hearts. Yeah. God is doing something in their hearts. So there's a lot happening right now. There is. It makes me wonder what the world is going to look like coming out of this pandemic in in you know one year, in five years, in ten years, because we've seen so many things break, mm-hmm. thing, things that we didn't expect ever would. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, well, well, what do we do now that we know that these things are possible? Nothing is going to be, it's going to remain the same way that it was before. That would be impossible. Yeah. The whole world economy has broken, you know, and it was broken in, in a in matter of days. Yeah. Um, life as it used to be, as we knew it, it's, 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 it's a different, we're stepping into a new era. That's, this is what it is. And I believe it's, it's for the church is one of the greatest wake up calls, I think for the world, for both, for the world and for the church, it's a wake up call. I believe this is an era of, of reformation. I think this is an era of reformation. Things have to be reformed. Things need to be transformed. And for both the world and the church, there's a lot of changes, a lot of changes happening right now. And we're going to see even more. I think we will, which is exciting. There's, there's been a lot, there's been a lot in in 
the social side of the United States and and I'm I'm sure other countries as well but I don't have my I don't have my finger on the pulse of of other countries maybe a little Canada but I I don't know I don't know Europe I don't know China I don't know I don't know or I guess that would be Asia or, or <laughs> Africa since I said continents um but I know at least in the United States we've had a lot of a lot of I, I, I want to say crazy left wing just going further and further and deeper and deeper away from away from truth and i think a lot of that has been exposed in the last yes. couple of months which is really exciting it, it is you know what god is shaking everything that needs to be shaken yes that's what is happening right now god is shaking everything that needs to be shaken and and the church will be purified through this it's either you are really a follower of jesus christ and you're really a christian or you're you're just a church goer right and you you're either gonna wake up and be ready for the things that are ahead or you you're gonna be forever at asleep and or in denial, or, you know. Yeah. Um, so these are very, very interesting times that we're living right now. They very are. interesting times. And there was never a time where we should be more in the Word of God than today. Yeah. Our kids need to have a strong faith foundation. They do. They need to know why we believe in what we believe. They need to have the knowledge of God because God is sovereign and he's in control. Mm -hmm. God knows. And he chose us to be here for such a time as this. He yeah. chose us to live in this generation for a reason. So so not always bad news. I believe we're <laughs> gonna see we're gonna see great things coming out of this. Well, um, even to tie that back to what she says here in Bible recitations, it is a delightful thing to have the memory stored with beautiful, comforting, and inspiring passages. And we cannot tell when or how this manner of seed may spring up, grow, and bear fruit. Amen. And so just back to just planting that word of God fully and richly and truly into our lives and into our children's lives. Yeah. Even hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is indelibly imprinted on your children's minds. It has to be. There's and, only one God, right? Yeah. And so regardless of the extraordinary times, regardless of uh, even if we were back in Jesus's time, this is still applicable. Knowing, reading, learning, and storing in your memory the word of God. Yeah is always a good thing to do. Oh, absolutely. Jesus did. You know, in mm -hmm. Jewish culture, a, a, a boy, the moment that he turns three years old, he's memorizing the word of God. And I'm not just talking about one little Bible verse. I'm talking about like chunks. The whole of, thing. <laughs> yes. Chunks of Bible um, chapters and books. And they have to memorize. That's the way that they do. Memorizing the Bible is engraved in the Jewish culture. Yeah. That's what you do. You chant it. You sing it. You're, you know, you're reading the Psalms every single day. Like I lived in Israel. So, you know, you're sitting in the bus and people have their book of Psalms open in their hands and they are reading it, mm. you know, or they are 
uh, up at the 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 hotel at the the wailing wall and they're have their little books there and they're reading the word of god out loud and they are praying and they're speaking the word there's nothing more powerful than speaking speaking the word of god right mm. the word of god always will produce 30 60 and 100 fold is a, is a seed that for sure is going to grow in our children's lives and in our lives and we need to know it we yeah. need to know it you know david said you know your your word i hid in my heart so i do not sin against you so that you know it's important that we know it and we memorize it and we we write it write the word until you know the word and speak the word and sing the word i i i firmly believe that that's so important that we do with our children mm-hmm. yeah i can't think of a better note to end on than that <laughs> <laughs> no because I, I think that wraps up that wraps up everything she's talking about and she's she said in this chapter, but also in every other in every other writing she's had, that really does wrap it up quite nicely. Yeah, that's right. I lo- I love speaking about the Bible, you guys. <laughs> I, lo- I love it. I can have this chat with you guys for ten hours straight, <laughs> right? Go into the Word of God and talk about so many things, and and um, it's so powerful. It changed my life. It changed. If I tell you my testimony and how God changed my life, I was the very first believer on both sides of my family. Wow. And, you know, I mocked Christians. I used to say that church was for poor people who had no money and nothing better to do on Sundays. <laughs> Talk about, you know, Saul being transformed into Paul. That was kind yeah. of my story. And to see how the word of God in that moment of going through a cancer with no hope, no faith, no ground to stand stand on and see the word of God changing me every single day to the point that I got on my knees one day, the day before a Passover, uh, um, uh, what we call Easter Sunday, and just say, God, you know, like, I'm not afraid of dying anymore. You know, if you take me today, I'm going to be with you. And that's all I need. If you don't heal me, that's fine. But if you heal me, I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And and he, he did. He healed me. And I'm serving him to this day. And it's just powerful. Powerful. I listen to the word of God and I start having dreams with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will explain things to me in the word of God that I, I words that I did not understand what they were. English is was, it's not my first language. So I'm a new immigrant in the United States, you know, back then. And, um, and I'm, I still like I, I went to school in English, but I don't have all the vocabulary that I need. Right. So I'm reading words in the in, in the Bible and I'm thinking, like, what is what is this thing? And and I go to sleep and Jesus speak to me in, in the dream and explain to me what it is. And the next day I go to church in the morning. and The pastor is preaching on that. And you're like, <laughs> whoa, you know, <laughs> yeah. God does. He does speak and he transforms and he he does that through his word. His word is very powerful, very yeah. powerful. Mm-hmm. It's it's the greatest weapon that we have against anything. Um, it's the word of God. It is. It is. Well, Anna, thank you so much for for taking the time. I, I know you've got a busy schedule these days, but but thank you for taking <laughs> your time to to join us and talk about this. It, yeah, and I'm really excited because I'm gonna I'm gonna hear you guys speaking again at the Charlotte Mason conference soon. So yeah, it's very exciting. And real quick, where can people find you online? People can find me at theycallmeblast.org. 
or uh, at hebrewforhomeschoolers.com and at charlottemasoninspired.com as well. Okay. All right. Well, thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you. It <laughs> was wonderful. Have a good evening. Bye. You Thanks for listening. Don't forget about the Charlotte Mason Inspired Online Conference. If you're interested in attending, please find info at any of our social media places, our website, or our emails. We hope to see you there.